Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Tony asked me to minister today and uh, last week um, I let you know that um, my mama went to heaven uh, 10 days ago. And um, as you can imagine, then this week has been filled with uh, lots and lots of reflections, um, lots of FaceTime calls and um, connection with my family uh, that are all back there. And I'm just so thankful uh, for the ability to be able to to, uh, hear my dad's voice. I told him I was going to be talking today. And um, and he prayed for me, and he prayed for you, and I I'm just so thankful, so thankful for the um, the way of the Lord. You know, I I could have um, decided, well, maybe I won't do today, and then I thought, well, in honor of my mother, knowing my mother, <laughs> I'm doing today. <laughs> And uh, just because the truth is the truth, and uh, there's some things we want to look at. So, uh, Daddy wanted to know what I'm going to talk about today, and um, I'll be going, uh, Anna and I will go on September the 6th to the States, and at the end of the month, Tony will join us, and we'll have a um, celebration, a beautiful celebration at the end of, of September. But I want to say thank you again, <laughs> this wonderful church family. You've just, oh man, I'm so thankful for uh, your prayers and your love, your sincere, uh, sincere holy comfort. It's been beautiful. It's so nice to be in a family. It really makes a difference. So, um, yeah, I'm going to talk about life after death. How's that? going to jump right into the middle of it. Life after death. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word to us. Jesus, thank you for your promise to us. You said that you would never leave us, even to the end of the world. And we recognize your presence here. You're here. And we love the comfort that's in your presence, the strength that's there, the light, the help, the healing, the restoration. I thank you, Father, that uh, before we go today, there'd just be a work done in every single person's life that they need uniquely in Jesus' name. And as we look in your word, Thank you. Your your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path in every season of life and in every event of life. Amen. All right. So uh, there are two things, just two, that are certain about every human being and the same about every human being. as many human beings as there has ever been on the face of the earth, there, there is diversity. No one is the same, even identical twins. No one is the same, but 
There are two things that are the same, and uh, there are two things that are every single human being has in common, and the first is birth. Birth. You may have different colored eyes. You may have different colored skin. You may be taller or shorter. You may come from a different background, different language, uh, be all different kind of things. But every one of us was born. We don't live here unless we're born. But as certainly as there is an entrance into this world, there is also an exit. There is an exit. For every single human being, we call that death or we call it dying. But in Hebrews, the ninth chapter and verse 27, it says that it's appointed unto man once to die. And so if you're alive, there is going to be an exit. That can be very daunting. Some people shy away from it. Some people hide and, and um, plunge into as much life as they can to, to uh, run away from that fact. All of us have an exit. There is life before death, before death. It's the one we're living right now. There's life before death. But that life that is before death is very limited. Time-wise, I'm talking about, is very limited. In other, other ways as well, very limited compared to the life after death. The life that is after death is without limit. I'm talking about time. If you were to compare uh, life before death for all of us, it could be like a grain of sand on the beach of the Gold Coast. It's very minuscule, this time that we are in, in comparison to the life that is after death. David Sweet wrote a book on how to get to heaven, and I was going to bring it up here with me. Uh, be sure and check with the hub on your way out. Everybody needs to know about life after death because everyone is going to experience in one way or another life after death needs to be addressed. But I want to just say this, heaven, which will which for believers, that's not um, a fairy tale word. Heaven is, is not the only thing about life after death. It's kind of first stop, <laughs> but actually there are going to, after death, there's going to be ages and ages, eons of time, and we're not just going to be running up and down streets of gold and playing harps and going in and out of each other's uh, mansions for tea. As, as nice and lovely as those wonderful things, there is actually purpose and intention and function for all of us after death. And we're not going to talk about that today. But it is so, and it's in the Word. Now, so there's a lot that happens after death. Um, my parents, um, I'm going to talk about my dad and mom absolutely today, just not even a little bit, but a whole lot. Are you okay with that? And um, my parents 
taught us a lot about life and how uh, how to live life, but they didn't teach us any less about life after death. They talked a lot about life after death. They talked about the uh, living a quality of life. It's not dependent upon the amount of money that you make or the fame or success or how many friends you have or how many people like you or how happy you can be in this life, how much you can see, how much you can do, how much wealth you can amass. Uh, Jesus said, if you can gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul, you know, what good does that do? So there's a quality of life before death that actually uh, requires um, three things. The quality of life before death, I'm talking quality, not talking money, I'm not talking success, I'm talking quality. And that quality is uh, of a, a kind of life that actually you get to take with you when you die. If it's not of this particular eternal quality, then when you die, then everything, it stays here. It doesn't come with. So my parents talked about a quality of life that when you die, you actually get to take it with you on the other side. It just seems like a better use of time other than plunging all of your life's energy into something dies with you or stays here. First thing that makes a quality of life in this life before death is receiving eternal life. <laughs> Let's all say John 3.16 together, can we? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but what? When do you receive everlasting life? When you die? No. You receive everlasting life when you receive Jesus. So if you have Jesus, the Bible says, he who has the son has life. So the second thing is, is to experience eternal life before you die. So there are people that are born again and have received eternal life because they've received Jesus, but they've, they don't know how to, how to live out of that life. They, they live off of, the, off of the toxic world around them and not know that there's everlasting life on the inside. So for a quality of life, it's, it's also knowing not just that eternal life has come in you. It's also knowing how to live it while you're alive here before death. The last thing is, uh, is in knowing about life after death affects your life right now. So um, in growing up, my, my mom and dad talked um, a lot about heaven. And so, and we sang sang a lot about heaven. Um, a lot of the songs, a lot of the hymns, some of you would know this if you were hymn singers, uh, probably a verse out of every hymn is about heaven. So nearly every song had an element of heaven. Uh, Amazing Grace is that way. 
You sing all the verses, and then when we've been there a thousand years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That's just, you know, that's one of most hymns. But my, one of my earliest memories of my mom and dad, and today um, Andrew and Janine sang duet on a guitar. And um, they didn't know that, you know, I'm using this example, but uh, one of my earliest memories of my parents um, was singing. They, they sang a lot. And um, they would sing, um, Daddy would play guitar, and Mama would sing alto. But I still remember sitting on the front row and watching my, my dad and mom sing. And um, a, a lot of those songs were about heaven or would have something about heaven in them. One of the first songs that I remember was this one. I'm going to sing it. It says, Since childhood I've heard of a heaven. And that's true. And wondered if it could be true that there are bright mansions eternal up there beyond the blue. I pondered, could the people really go there? Till one day, sweet Jesus came in. Then I got a vision of glory. My soul with all heaven did bless. Then daddy would sing, heaven. And my mama would sing, happy home above. Heaven, land of peace and love. Oh, it makes me feel like traveling on. Heaven eternal, heaven supernal. I'm so glad that it's real. Yeah, it is real. There are two other verses of that. We won't sing them, but it is real. Again, going back to this statement, there are two things that are certain for every human. They're going to enter and they're going to exit. A birth and a death. The only exception to that uh, of dying amongst believers is um, that when the rapture happens, the believers will go and meet Jesus in the air. They'll go to heaven in the air and they won't die. When the rapture happens, whoever is alive on the earth won't die. I'm talking about believers. So we often say this when we come together. We'll say, uh, Jesus came the first time and he's coming again. I'll say it this morning. Jesus is coming again. Who wants him to come again? Yes. But actually there are two parts of him coming as far as scripture is concerned, and just, we're not going to dig down deep into the doctrine, but what we want to just look at is just um, an overview of this fact that the, the coming again of the Lord is in two parts, two parts. 
Part A is the rapture. What do you mean? Well, Jesus does come back, but he doesn't come back to the earth. He only comes to the air above the earth, the sky above the earth. And the believers rise and meet him in the air. They'll meet him there. Part B of Jesus coming back again, Jesus is coming back to the earth, not us going up and meeting him in the sky. He is coming back to the earth, and every eye will see him, every knee will bow, everyone will recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ, and that is going to be a radical time. It's amazing. Jesus is coming back to the earth, but um, his coming is in these two parts. So up until the rapture happens when believers meet Jesus in the air, up until that happened, even believers are going to exit. They're going to die. They're going to continue to die until the rapture. So Acts, the 20th chapter, and verse 25. And the reason I say that is because there's something about a human that uh, really pushes back about dying. Uh, God didn't mean for when he made man to die. Sin made that happen. But there's something about a human doesn't want to die. And they look at different ways to, to prolong and to um, make it longer and life and maybe a secret fountain, a fountain of life or what, something to escape death. And it's, it's just not there. Acts, the 20th chapter and verse 25 says, and now Paul said, observe, I perceive that all of you among whom I have gone in and out proclaiming the kingdom will see my face no more. What is the context of this? Paul was talking to a group of people uh, with the consciousness that he was going to die by way of, by martyrdom. I don't know that he knew that they were going to cut his head off, but, but that he was going to die by martyrdom. And he knew it. And so because he knew it, he was telling them, he said, I'm not going to see you anymore. And um, look at verse 27. He said, I never, during the time that I was with you and teaching you. He said, I never shrank back or kept back or fell short from declaring to you the whole purpose and plan and counsel of God. <sighs> wow. Paul had this, Paul had this thing knowing he knew he had a, he had a commission of a message that he was supposed to preach. And he didn't shave anything off. He delivered the message. So Tony, last, Tony, before he left, and we knew our mama was um, uh, getting ready to go home, but Tony and I were talking about, um, yeah, if we feel like we could say this. And I'm just being totally transparent and honest with you. We don't feel like we uh, would have high distinction in that area. Um, we've, we've really done, you know, we've tried to 
to always speak to you in the presence of him. We're, we're never just trying to preach, you know, a sermon that's going around or, you know, our favorite thing. We really, we pray and ask the Lord. But um, you see, the Bible has a lot to say about death and life after death. Jesus talked about it. Paul talked heaps of it. There are chapters. There are scriptures, beautiful scriptures, that unless somebody dies and you go to a funeral, you won't hear those verses. You don't hear, there's, there's some chunks of the Bible that just... And the entrance of his word gives light. And so if you're not hearing that part of the word, I saw that there's like a gap. It's like in that gap there can come misinformation. And even if there's not misinformation, no information leaves a room for fear. And the devil wants to, because he, he was the Lord of, of death, he loves to orchestrate and and he will, won't just do it to some people. He'll try to do it to anybody and he gets particularly de delight to do it to sons of God, children of God. That death carries with it a fear. Well, we want to share the word. And there's such light about life and how to be victorious. And, you know, we want to be victorious in life. And we want to know how to overcome this problem. And we want the promises to overcome that problem. And, but, but the Bible doesn't just talk about overcoming in life. It has heaps to say about death and life after death. We want to hear the counsel of God about everything, don't we? So, 1 Thessalonians, 4th chapter, has, is one of that portions of Scripture. And after John 3.16, Ephesians 4.32, about being kind one to another and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, there were a few other portions of Scripture my parents uh, had us laid to memory around the breakfast table. We would learn Bible verses. Well, 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, was another portion of Scripture, 13 to 18, that we memorized. So let's read it. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Well, that's stop right there. Is it possible to be ignorant? It doesn't say, I don't want you to be stupid, or I don't want you to be rebellious. It, it just says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Well, how can you not be ignorant? Well, Paul's helping these people by telling them something. And it's important that the body of Christ know. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. He's talking about uh, people who die. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. If you're ignorant or if there's a gap of knowledge there, it's a possibility that th there could be a kind of sorrow that doesn't need to be your experience. 
It doesn't say that you don't miss. It doesn't say that at all. I mean, there's tears, and there's my, my sister sent a picture of, of our piano, our family piano, and there's, you know, we've all seen our mama playing on that piano. And she sent a picture, and there's nobody at that piano. Well, you know, okay, you know, that. So it's just that we don't have to sorrow as those who have no hope. First Thessalonians in, in the New Living Translation says this, Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, let's stop there. Who in here believes that Jesus died and was raised to life again? Okay, so that's us. We also believe that when Jesus returns... God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Keep reading because it gets the whole picture of uh, his return part A. We tell you this directly from the Lord. Okay, this, this is strong. It's a message from Jesus. We who are still living when the Lord returns, and that's, that's part A, rapture, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Now, how, how can he bring the believers with him and then the believers also rise from the dead, uh, grave. The believers' spirits are in heaven with him. They're there now. He'll bring with them, but their bodies. You say, well, bodies, I know of people that have gone on. I mean, they were ashes and they were spread out. How, how can they raise? I don't know. I don't know. But man alive. This is what we're getting close to. It's going to happen. Believers' bodies will rise. Believers who have died will rise. Then, look at this. Then together with them, the ones who have gone on before, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other. And the King James says, comfort one another with these words. So yesterday on the phone, I'm talking to my daddy. You know, and he, he's lived 67 years with my mother. He fell in love with her when he was 15 years old, the very first time he ever clapped eyes on her. He adores her. He misses her. But you know what he talks about? Seeing her in the air. Seeing her in the air. We were around her bed. I was on a, on a cell phone on FaceTime. My siblings around the bed and my daddy. When my mother breathed her last and she took flight. Went home. And my daddy started singing. 
No, he starts singing. No, he he started singing. There's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. And oh, I want to meet you over there in that home beyond the sky. Such singing you will hear, never heard by mortal ear, will be glorious, I do declare. For God's own Son will be the leading one in that meeting in the air. So yeah, tears coming down, tears coming down. But right away, what do we do? When we're in a situation, we go to the word first, don't we? We go to the word first. So tears coming down. But yeah, we're going to meet in the air. You're gone here, but I'm going to meet you in the air. And it says this, encourage or comfort one another with these words. There's comfort there. It's wonderful. Here's another portion of scripture. I wanted to leave this with you. This was another... Again, that part of my natural part of my family, sharing with you, my family, my spiritual family, my church family here. Uh, it's been some years ago. Uh, we had a family reunion, and uh, Daddy was talking to the family. And um, he used 1 Corinthians 13. And, um, of course, from 1 Corinthians 13, you're going to go to verse 4 to 8, the love chapter. But there's actually other verses in 1 Corinthians 13. And verse 12 was what he talked about. And he said this, Now we are looking in a mirror that only gives a dim, blurred reflection of reality as in a riddle or enigma. But then, then, past death, when perfection comes, we shall see in reality and face to face. Now... I know in part, imperfectly, but then I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the same manner as I have been fully and clearly known and understood by God. This, there is in our walk in God, there is a now. There's a now. But there is also a then. There's a then. And Paul contrasted the now to the then, and the then is better than the now. You can see that in this verse of Scripture. Put up that phrase or that that quote, our perspective of the then, this is my daddy's quote, our perspective of the then will help us through the challenges we face now. Yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you know there is a then, there is something that it gives you for the now. And so, um, yeah, if I could get you, uh, Charles, if you could just come up, please. And Vincent, if you could come up on this side. Thank you. And grab up that piece of rope right there. And, and uh, you leave the rope. Um, don't, don't pick up the rope yet. But come down here, Pick, uh, take the rope up over here so we can just demonstrate this. Um, 
want to give you this example. And you can go ahead and pick it up. A life that is not anchored to Jesus is like a ship on the sea with no anchor, no direction. Whatever the wind blows or the currents, you'll blow that way, you'll blow this way. Whatever is blowing hardest is the direction you'll go. Whatever current is, and a life that is not anchored to anything ends up nowhere or anywhere. You'll wash up on any beach. It's better to be a life that's anchored and rooted in Jesus as salvation and his work and the redemptive work. So what I'm going to ha- what Charles represents here, he represents Jesus and you do you do represent Jesus. Okay, so so representing Jesus in his first coming and the work that Jesus did in his redemptive work. It's magnificent. So if I come to know the Lord, what ends up happening? Keep it. You're Jesus. Don't let me go. (laughs) So you won't let me go and and actually wrap around because I'm going to pull on it because we pull on Jesus. If I have, if I'm anchored in Jesus, then the storms of life I can brave. And uh, if something's pulling on me, uh, what it pulls on actually is him. Whatever pulls on me pulls on that aspect of him. And the harder it pulls, the harder it pulls on him. And it makes you conscious of your connect. Are you glad for your connection with Jesus Christ? I mean, on any day of the week, in good days of the week, but when there's stuff is hard, you pull hard, you're so glad he can't let you go. And it's not just in a song, you feel it. You're pulling on it, and he doesn't let you go. That's wonderful. Now, what happens, though, if you don't have a a second anchor is that it can do this. What ends up happening if you don't have this second anchor is you can use the blessings that come from the first work that the Lord did for you. I want a happy life. I want a fulfilled life. And I'm going to use every promise to live big. And that's, you know what? You can. But it lacks purpose and it lacks it lacks the the glow of eternal value. To to just Receive healing so I can get on with my life. So I can do what I want to do. Receive my bills met so I can get on with my life and do what I want to do. But then the opposite can be, this is, you go ahead and drop it. The opposite can be, this is the second coming of the Lord. That was the first coming of the Lord and what he did. The second coming of the Lord, pull that up. This is a wonderful thing to hold on to. And I, there I grew up, we loved Jesus coming again. 
We didn't know everything that Jesus did in his first coming. We knew that he saved you so you could go to your second coming. But we didn't know that this could affect your life so much. So pretty much you wanted to get saved and quit go to heaven. Because life was not so good because you didn't know how to apply what Jesus did in his first coming to your life. So we were attached here. And sometimes people that are only attached here, they whinge about this life. Oh, this life is bad, but one day we'll all, you've heard, have you ever heard of that? One day, I mean, this life is rubbish, but one day I'm going home and you're just swinging free out over the aching chasm of horrible life until you can finally die and go home. Well, I don't know. Something isn't quite right about that either. The best is to actually, hold on to this too, tight, make it tight, is actually live a life that is anchored in his first coming and in his second coming. Being from Colorado, being from Colorado, um, especially up where my parents live, snow blizzards can be perilous. They can kill you. And um, so, like, for instance, you know, my daddy was raised on a ranch. My grandfather built a, a cabin out there, homesteaded a cabin, probably about 100 and, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago out of logs, and we're going to go there when we all there, are there in September. I, I haven't gotten to tell you that, Anna. We're going to go out to the ranch. And, um, but it can be that you have a cabin, uh, you know, a house and a, and a barn, and you're out in the barn milking the cows, but you got to get back to the house, and there's this blizzard, horrible blizzard, a blizzard can make it so you just can't, you can't see from here to here. Can't. And so what they used to do years ago is, and they still do, I'm sure, is they tie a line. You don't need that on shining days. You don't need that on regular kind of days, but in blizzards. Tie it here so that if you can't see one thing. Pull it tight. If the wind is blowing, the wind is blowing. Without this, there have been people who from the house to the, or from the barn to back to the house have died two meters from their front door, froze, froze to death, two meters from the front door. So you need something that will get you from the barn to the house and hold you steady when the wind is blowing. You can hold on to it. You can hold on to it. You can't see. You got to walk. You can't go by what you see. You can't go by what you feel, but you got a line. And what Jesus has given to us through his first coming and his second coming is a line.
that holds us steady in our life. Thank you, guys. You can only now drop the rope. Let me read you a couple things. When we look forward to the then, these are some more quotes from Daddy. When we look forward to the then, it influences, even alters what we are doing now. If you don't have a grip on the then, you start making really poor choices about now because we do whatever seems right now, what I want now. But if you've got a grip on the then, it just gives you some stability. Here's another, here's another one. Our perspective of the then will change our priorities for the now and clarify our purpose for the now. Walking along this thing, um, in different times of my life, I've had a stronger grip on one side or the other, or, you know, one has been more taunt than the other. I've been more aware of one or the other, always both. But, boy, I'm telling you what, not just, not just like my mother was, two weeks ago, just on the doorway of heaven. Because you don't really know when that's going to be anyway. But any day, any day, having that perspective helps you to make choices. What am I doing with my day? Is what I'm doing going to make it past my death, you know, does it have any eternal weight or is it just about here and now? Here and now stays here and now. Things that have eternal value make the transition. Let me give you a verse of scripture in just a little bit. You know, uh, at the end of uh, Tony's weekly email, I don't know, you you may not know, but Tony sends out a weekly email. If you're not getting that, you can tell the gals at the, at the hub or you can get on our website and make sure you get that. But uh, a weekly email, and he does a short teaching, and it's always really good, And but it's short. It's, you can just get through really fast, and then there's some updates and some... Uh, so that we can do things together. Like for instance, this last week was, uh, yesterday was momentum. There'll be those kind of different advertisements that come up. We want everybody to know those kind of things, but at the very bottom is this link, and you can put that up. And it's been here for a long time. It's called End of Days Update. End of Days Update. This End of Days Update it's not the only end of days update that's out there on YouTube or on, you know, whatever. There's some really good ones. Some, there's some people that are really, really good in this area to talk about as we're getting closer to the end of time, giving us indications and signs that are happening in the world that were prophesied in the Bible. 
there's a lot of good ones, but we've chosen uh, to put this in, in there because we know Joe. And we, we, he's such a, a, a precious um, and godly man. And uh, he talks super duper fast. For those of you that have, he talks super duper, he covers a lot of territory, but um, it just helps you to look at the news from a standpoint of this rather than just sitting on your couch and eating chips and thinking, oh, this world is horrible. It helps you to listen to things to help you remember Jesus is coming soon. That's why that's there. You know, Tony was talking to a really dear friend of his, another pastor, and uh, this pastor looks at Tony's um, email every week, and, uh, you know, they talk about it, and um, this, this man, wonderful, precious man in a, in a good church, he said, um, he said, why do you put something in there about the end of days? He said, it's so, it, does, it doesn't relate to life. doesn't relate to people's lives. And um, it doesn't, it, it actually does. <laughs> so anyway, that's why it's still here. <laughs> uh, you need to know and keep a firm grip on the then because it, does affect the now and how you navigate. Go to Colossians 3. We're going to end with this. And if, Andrew, if you could please come. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Um, when I to told Daddy I was going to go along this line, he gave this portion of scripture. He quoted this in the King James Version, of course, you know. <laughs> But anyway, Colossians 3, he said, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, well, what do you do if you've been raised to life with Christ? Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven. I'm not talking about streets of golden mansions talking about the kingdom of heaven and God's purposes. God's purposes that are in this time but even extend beyond this time. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So you could put a little parenthetical thing. What life are you living? Is it the real life or is it, is it a, a, an artificial construct from things from this life? Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. I want to pray with you today. If you're not attached if you're not attached to the work that Jesus did in his first coming, oh, you sure don't want to leave here today unattached or you sure don't want to miss out if you're watching online. We're going to pray a prayer so you can get attached to what Jesus did so you don't have to be like a boat that's just blowing over the water any which 
in every which direction. And I want to pray a prayer for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone in this room who is not attached yet to what Jesus did. Jesus did it for everybody, but they haven't plugged into it. They haven't picked up the rope today. And so today we want to give people an opportunity to say, yep, what Jesus did, I'm claiming it for me. Pray this prayer after me. Can we just do it across the the room and those online and anyone in this room, you can pray this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to save me. Jesus, I accept what you did for me. I believe that you died and was raised from the dead for me. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come into my life. I want your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name. But we could pray in this prayer too. Father God, I pray for our whole church family. And I ask you, Lord, that we would Open our eyes to the value of Jesus' first coming and the reality of his return and live every day with purpose. I am praying what Paul prayed for the church in Colossia in the first chapter, that they would, every one of us would be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Filled with the knowledge of your will that we might walk worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him in everything, and being fruitful, being productive, not just with doing things for ourselves or our own way, but your plan for our life. If you want God's plan for your life, you can let him know, tell him. Pray it. Paul prayed that prayer day and night for that church because it was so important for this time and also life after death. Thank you, Jesus. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au. 